I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I know what it feels like to get quiffed on the ashes. And the man in the middle of popping a load of bubble wrap like his teacher asked for some reason is Tony Kerr. It's great stuff, that. It's what people have come for, isn't it? <laughs> it's just weaving in all the different narrative arcs of the, the ashes. That's the one I care about most. What is it? Quiffing. Quiffed. Quiff. I still don't really know what quiff is, to be honest. It's <laughs> no. been advertised at me about 50 million times. Well, the advert certainly doesn't, certainly doesn't explain what it is. No. Does it? it doesn't give you much clue. But uh, it sound, What was that, the social media platform that Ag, was it Agnew started? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kicker? Kicker, that that's yeah. it, yeah. It, I just, it sounds like that to me. It was, it was about a week and a half where Agnew was trying to get everyone in the world off Twitter and onto Kicker, and then he gave up on that quite quickly. Yeah. Just quietly disappeared. For listeners who, who aren't sure what we're talking about, this is a, an ad for what I think is a betting company called Quiff. Literally every third advert on the, the BT coverage of The Ashes is... is this very bizarre one for Quiff. Very nice, sultry voiceover, mm. isn't it? Mm. Oh, how are you, Tane? Yeah, all right. We've, it's taken us a little longer than expected to get round the table, but uh, we've done it. Well, it was just, it's been a really tough week, hasn't it? And I've, I've, been, uh, I've been crying too much to do this. You've just tried to pour a glass of water over my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, Taking it in, what, what's the expression? Uh, an art imitates... Life or something. Yeah. Is that the expression? Life imitates art normally. Something like that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) That's normally what you'd say. That's the one. That was the one I was looking for. It is Sunday evening. It's been a long weekend. That's a good gag, that tone, although people don't know what you're talking about. But yes, I did just throw water everywhere. It's gone from bad to worse this week. I mean, first Adelaide, and now I've thrown water all over my sock. (laughs) (laughs) I hate wet socks. It's been a tough week. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Well, you're looking perky anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been, it's a few days on, isn't it? The dust has settled a little bit, and I, I'm feeling a, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a bit less tired. Still pretty tired, uh, but a bit less tired. Obviously, yeah, got up at got up at three every day to watch the Adelaide Test, and uh, yeah, by the end of it, having got up at three every day and then witnessed an England batting collapse on the final day, uh, yes, I was a bit sleep deprived and emotionally fragile. Is how I describe how I describe my state. So it's probably a good thing. That we didn't record a pod straight away because, uh, yeah, it, I'd have been struggling a bit. A few people have said, like a few people at work and that, like when I've said, they're like, oh, you're right. You look a bit sort of, uh, you know, you look a bit tired. I'm like, yeah, well, I, you know, been getting up at three o'clock every morning to, to watch the ashes. And they've, a few different people have gone, oh, that's really impressive, actually. <laughs> like, is it? I mean, I don't know. If, you know, if only I could apply this level of dedication to something that actually matters, Tone. Yeah. I'd really be getting somewhere. No, it's impressive. It's more. I mean, I didn't manage it. I, I did a few, 
and we'll, you know, we'll come on to, the, you know, the, well, he'll give us a blow by blow account, I'm sure, mm. of the test. Uh, but, you know, certainly, yeah, you've, you've shown me up slightly. I've been, been watching as much as possible, but yeah, I didn't do every morning for that test. Yeah, as much as, you know, you've been watching all of the play between 10.45 and 11 yeah. uh, after you've got up. So anyway, yeah, we're, we're both pretty tired, uh, both pretty emotionally fragile. So yeah, even now, uh, I'm a little concerned about how this podcast is going to turn out. I mean, you already went full Kevin Keegan last week. So uh, this week, <laughs> who knows what could happen? Either one of us could have a meltdown at any moment. Actually, I think you're a bit you're feeling a bit worse for wear as well, aren't you, Tane? It's Sunday night. Uh, I think you're, you're on the struggle bus this morning after last night. Yeah, it was like a night out in Perth last night here in St. Peterport. Just went big. Well, shall we get on with it, Tane? Let's, yeah. let's talk about the cricket. Once again, I've made the mistake of leaving my jumper on as we start the record, so I'm going to have to take this off. I've already taken my socks off because I poured water all over them. I don't know if I, don't know if I mentioned that. Um, it's a Christmas jumper this week. It is. I've taken off my Christmas jumper to reveal a Christmas t-shirt. <laughs> All right, so let's crack into it, Tony. We've got a lot to discuss tonight and, uh, and not much time to discuss it if I'm ever going to get any sleep. So, uh, yes, we have had, as we've uh, alluded to, uh, a test match in Adelaide this week. I don't know if anyone noticed, and it was a pretty remarkable test match as well. I can't imagine many people need me to recap this game, uh, so I'll make it as, as brief as possible. I won't ask Alexa to do it this week. Heard from a few listeners, actually, who are quite impressed with Alexa, quite impressed with uh, Alexa's recap of the of the game that I put on the pod last time. Maybe we'll just record that next and just, no, just it's, pump it, that out, Zareen. I mean, it's good. Like from my point of view, it's good because it you know it makes a bit of a change because the main things that I use Alexa for are one as like an egg timer. <laughs> it's just timing things when I'm cooking, and two to ask how old various celebrities are. That's pretty much all I use Alexa for when I'm watching TV. It's just Alexa, how old is Jason Bateman? It's Jason Bateman is 48 years old. Is that, this a, that's, is all, this a, that's the only uses I've found for Alexa. Is this a sponsored section? <laughs> is, is there a bit of Amazon money that I'm not seeing here? Because you, you you're bringing up Alexa Let's an awful on. lot. Let's move on, shall we? Um, all right, so yeah, a very, very brief recap of this test match. Australia were put into bat by Joe Root, uh, and they made that decision look a bit foolish by racking up 442 for eight, declared an unbeaten 126 from Sean Marsh, uh, England then were under pressure when they came into bat and they didn't respond too well. Nobody made a 50 as they were bowled out for 227. Nathan Lyon continuing his strong starts this series with four wickets. Uh, but then it got interesting because Steve Smith opted not to enforce the follow-on uh, and England took advantage of that to, to force their way back into the match by bowling them out for 138. Jimmy Anderson took five for 43 and Chris Wakes four for 36 as Australia collapsed uh, and that set England a target of 354 which he always felt was going to be too many that's a pretty stiff target in, in any situation isn't it but they did make a pretty strong start they were uh, 169 for three at one stage and then they did lose uh, David Milan late on day four but you know you felt that what did they need about 175 176 on the final day with six wickets in hand and there was a bit of hope there and everyone got up at three in the morning to see what would happen but uh, it all fell apart very very quickly Josh Hazelwood uh, getting rid of Wokes and Root uh, in the first three overs and it all ended quite quickly as England were finally bowled out for 233 Mitchell Stark finished with five wickets uh, and that gave Australia uh, what was a pretty big win in the end by 120 runs so Tony this was a good game of cricket 
That's my first piece of analysis. Went one way than the other, didn't it? Fluctuating fortunes. England seemed to be heading for an absolutely crushing defeat. Uh, but they did drag themselves back into the match on, on what was a, a thrilling fourth day, uh, only to fold like origami on the final day uh, and still end up uh, on the wrong end of a crushing defeat. So what did you make of all this? Where are we in the series now? Uh, and how are you feeling about it? It's pretty disappointing, isn't it? I think that's <laughs> just the, the way to sum it up. I mean... I will make this case over the course of the next 45 minutes or so, depending on how long it takes me to, to get my words out. <laughs> no, but, you know, I don't think it's... It's not, des- it's not that England have been utterly desperate. There's been, there's been a couple of performances, individual performances, which have very much helped Australia uh, get over the line. They're, you know, they are, they are edging it in pretty much every area at the moment, but it's, it's a shame that we're going to basically... Yeah, we're going to the third test and already England are pretty much down and out. All the optimism, the enthusiasm of about two weeks ago is already gone, which is... Uh, I did, well, which I, don't, I don't remember there being that much optimism, at, okay, least, op- at least not on this podcast. No, okay, optimism is the, the, res- well, the, the sort of blooming optimism yeah. of a few weeks ago. The excitement, I suppose. We yeah, were, exactly. We we're excited the- about the series. Uh, so that, that's pretty disappointing. You know, all the, the, the sort of nonsense off the field stuff is, is just is a real downer mm. uh you know i'm sure we'll just t- we'll talk about the duck itself even though i mean that is just i don't know i don't know what to say about that it just it seems so sort of lame as a as an incident yeah i haven't got that much to say about no. it you, know, you say we'll, we'll come on to it i don't know well, i, don't I know say it. come on to it but i'm sure we, we'll mention it we are mentioning well, it well we're now. literally mentioning it now so <laughs> yeah there's not Sorry. there's not too much to say i don't think it's just one of those like you know as a few people have pointed out it's a bit bit odd that england have made so much about it when trevor bayless's comment was like the players have to understand that people will blow this sort of thing well out of proportion as in he was saying they shouldn't do this because people will blow it out of proportion yeah he says while blowing it massively out of proportion exactly well i mean the, the whole thing though that and the, the bancroft thing again you know something of nothing i, I don't know it, it just sort of speak to the kind of media hysteria mm. of of you know this day and age isn't it of just just something of nothing and well, I think this sad. is why this is why you're frustrated, isn't it? Because you, you know you're saying this is the case you're going to make. I think you've been frustrated with uh, some of the media comment in the aftermath of this. Yeah, game. I mean, it, we we always talk about reactionary stuff, don't we? And it, it, it you know, it is just yeah. It, it, I don't know. It, yeah, it's a, it's a, a test match series. Australia edging it so far. England, you know, aren't a great side at all. Uh, neither Australia really, and Australia would just for whatever reason are just slightly better at the moment you know they've had a couple of players stand up at marsh with the innings the match winning innings in this series because if, if you look at the actual the, you know the, the totals and i know we're only four well so england's totals 302 195 227 233 and you know it's not great none of that no england batsman has, has come out of it looking good so far uh, but then australia if you take out or if, if you if you look past those two centuries, you know, there's not much difference between the contributions from everyone else uh, in Australia's batting lineups and the performances have, have been much, much of a muchness. Well, no, but is that in a sense, no, what is frustrating about it? Yeah, it? because, yeah, sorry. No, go on. No, so exactly. So no, if you want to interrupt me, Tim, that's fine. What's frustrating is that, you know, and it, you know, it's, it's, you can't be like, Oh, you know, what's, what's wrong with everyone? You know, you can't, you know, you can't engineer players who are going to score 
Test match 150s in, in Ashes series. And just the fact that knowing the batsman has, has put their hand up, yeah, is just, just annoying and frustrating, as you say. Yes, and this is why, in a sense, it's like, you know, the, the idea that England have uh, let themselves down or, or disgraced themselves is slightly odd because nobody or, or not many uh, sensible voices were expecting England to win this series you know we were far from the only people saying that ultimately the problem is going to be that England's batsmen aren't going to be good enough to handle Australia's bowling attack and that's what's happened and that you know that's where we are and it's a it's a strange leap to go from saying that's probably what's going to happen to when it does happen saying well they've let you know this is an absolute disgrace uh, which I don't think many people are saying it's an absolute disgrace, but you know there is a feeling that England have have uh, underperformed. But it's, it's in a in a way they're performing exactly as we expected them to. Yeah. I think you made a you made a very similar point when they lost four 0 in India last year. That you know people were saying this is embarrassing. Well, that's what people were expecting before the series would happen, pretty much. So yeah, and um, I mean I, the one sort of caveat to that would be, I suppose that you know. There are still three games to go. There is there's ample opportunity for England to embarrass themselves <laughs> further this winter. I thought you were going to say for them to, you know, to, <laughs> to recover. To recover, but no. The way things are heading, you know, five, uh, you know, a five nil whitewash is probably the most likely outcome at this point. Which is a, which is a that's a big call. I don't know if I'd say it's the most likely, but it's certainly not unlikely. No. And that would be, I, you know, I didn't think that they would get whitewashed. Uh, and if they do get whitewashed, that would be disappointing. And yeah, I, I suppose, you know, having said that this is kind of what we expected, which it is, what I was getting at before and saying is, you know, this is sort of what's frustrating about it when you're talking about, well, if you look beyond those 200s from Australia, there are flaws there. You know, we've seen in this series, and particularly in the second half of this Adelaide test, that in some senses, Australia are there for the taking. Um, you know, this isn't the greatest Australia side that we've ever seen. It's frustrating that, you know, we are in a position now where in that second half of the Adelaide test, England actually played really well. They bowled Australia out for 130. You know, it sort of feels like they've woken up and started playing cricket, but they've done it at a point where the match was already gone and therefore the series is is gone too, isn't it? It's it's That's what's frustrating is that it suddenly looks like we might have quite a good series on our hands, but it's already over. And yeah, now we're looking at a stat that England have lost their last seven tests in a row in Australia. 13 of the last 17. You know, I, I, in a way, it's hard not to be at least a little bit disappointed as an England fan that that, that, yeah. that, that record is so bad. I think it's just such a shame, you know, when you just to arrive at the biggest series for, you know, for England cricket with with not, you know, we've talked about unanswered questions. I've talked about unanswered questions all year, but, you know, arriving at the series and, and you know, just the issues being the same. Mm. Uh, you mean the, the like the, the yeah, issues the fact, around selection? Yeah, and just yeah. you know, not you know, not filling holes. Uh, mm. You know, and I think there is if there is a worry, it's kind of you know, what, where are the good cricketers coming from at the moment? Yeah, because uh, no, it does seem yeah. to be a shortage. That actually is keeping me awake at night <laughs> in some ways because you know I, I think England have played well in patches in this series, but to a large extent, the guys who've played well have been like Jimmy Anderson. Joe Root, the future doesn't look that great. I mean, as we've said many, many times, when was the last time that a, an English batsman came into the test team and made a success of himself in the long run? Joe Root, five years ago. When was the time before that? Jonathan Trott, eight years ago. Like, it's literally one batsman in the last eight years has come in and been good in test cricket. And 
and then you look at the bowling attack and you know there's obviously sort of more reasons to be cheerful there but that's largely because of Anderson and Broad and they're not going to be around forever you know what is the future of the you know how good does the future look for the England team it's so even like in 2006 when they got whitewashed it was desperately poor but Alistair Cook scored some runs and Ian Bell scored some runs and yeah it was a feeling then that this has been a disaster, but the, that Australian team is coming to an end. And you, you did feel coming out of that series, England actually might be favourites to win the next one. Is that the case this time? I, I don't know. I don't know that you can say that. No. But having said that, in a sense, it would be a strange time to choose n- now as the moment to you know completely lose your rag with the England cricket team. As you say, with some of the, some of the reaction has been a bit strange because... Uh, they have, you know, they did in this game stage a, a tremendous fight back and it, you know, it was in vain in the end, but it was a fabulous effort. And from where they were in the first innings, you know, 200 plus behind to have come into the final day with a, a genuine chance of winning and, you know, got all those sort of hundreds of thousands of England fans out of bed at three in the morning, you know, that was incredible. And they do deserve a heck of a lot of credit for that. But as I say, what's the disappointing thing then is that they've left it until now, you know, until it was too late to, uh, to do that because yeah as i say suddenly it looks like we could have a series on our hands but it's already over i mean or is it already over do you think you know at two nil down three to play is is the ashes gone it feels gone uh i mean yeah there is a lot of cricket after we played i think that you know walking into work the day you know people want a few things to say about the cricket they were largely People oh. were just high-fiving me, saying, well done for getting up at three in the morning. I'm so impressed. But it's just that thing of people would be like, oh, yeah, England are awful. Yeah, they're dreadful, aren't they? They've always been terrible. It's like, well, they were the best side in the world yeah. not that long ago. Uh, it is a, a unique sort of, well, maybe it's not unique, I don't know, but uh, you know, the English sort of sporting mentality is one that remembers vividly <laughs> the failures and just yeah. sort of glosses over and re- very readily forgets success. Yes, well, yeah, because obviously England beat South Africa in the summer, but people just wouldn't have noticed that. I no, thought. no one, yeah, no one. When you were walking into work, people weren't talking about that. Absolutely not. But, but it's a bit of a straight, like we're in a some slightly uh, unique situation with the England cricket team at the moment, I feel anyway, where it's kind of falling in the middle, where on the one hand, you know, if people say, oh, it's a disgrace, they've always been a disgrace. That's not true. But you've also got people, you've got some England cricket fans who think that this team is much better than it is or at least before this series thought that it was, you know, because we've talked about even when England were beating South Africa, we talked about there were all these problems in the team and it's not a great team. It's sort of, it's falling in the middle where they're actually kind of average at the moment, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, when you actually look at this match, you know, Smith's decision uh, not to enforce the follow-on, definitely, you know, he he held the door open for England there and they, they, you know, walked straight on past. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, so England got a little bit of help from Smith. You know, I can kind of... I can see kind of why why he did it, and in the end, it was, it was the right decision, wasn't it? Because they won the match. So, but then when you look at just some of the the things that happened, and yeah, you know, this is sport. This is why we enjoy it. Uh, but you know, Australia just got the the you know edged the the key moments. You know, getting Milan uh, right at the end of play on day four. Uh, you know, it would have been slightly different mentality going into the final day. It was always going to be a tough task. I mean, I, I think I was definitely more optimistic than I had any right to be. Mm. But then that's just, you know, that's just human nature, isn't it? Because it was such a, a huge target, but it never felt the target wise out, out of reach. Uh, and then, you know, losing Wokes first, was it second ball? Mm, yeah. uh, and then Root so quickly after that. And then, you know, the Wokes dismissal just set the tone, didn't it? It was like, it's sort of the, 
pulled the rug under it, even though it was only Wokes. Uh, and then the, the nature of the decision was really annoying. Having, you know, having woken up at you know, 3.15 in the morning, I didn't think it was out. I don't know. Well, he nicked off, didn't he? He, nicked, you know, he was given out caught behind. Yeah. Uh, and it went upstairs. Or, you know, Wokes reviewed it. There was nothing on Hotspot. They went off a, a, a mark on Snicko. Which didn't look like it was at the same point as the ball passing the bat. No, it was a very small mark, wasn't it? Uh, and it did look like it may have been just after the ball passed. But, you know, he was given out. So I, yeah, so, so I was very frustrated as well. But I, you know. I was annoyed. And, it, I, you know, whatever. It, yeah, a lot of people would probably say that was as out as you get. Well, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that that was out. And so at the time, I was absolutely furious. But when you look at how well Australia bowled that morning, you know, there's, um, I yeah. can't imagine Wokes would have survived much longer, even if he'd been given not out there. True. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things, if, if the first half an hour... Works plays with a bit of freedom and and uh, cracks a couple of boundaries and then you know suddenly the, the the whole dynamic changes a bit and you know when he goes Australia's backs are up they're ready to you know they're rocking rolling I don't know it it, it was always going to be a tall order it's a shame England didn't get closer I think they they probably should have got closer it was very disappointing on that final morning wasn't it having got up at three having been very excited as you said it did feel like there was a chance it felt like we you know there's a possibility of the, you know that we were in for something historic uh, and then we weren't um but i as i say i think you still have to give england credit for the fight back and and also we should just enjoy the fact that it was a fantastic test match if you know whatever you think about that smith decision it certainly made for a better game it was a great game it, it you know it ended fairly meekly on on the final day but uh such excitement certainly that fourth day the the, uh, as a single day of Test cricket, that's one of the best days uh, of the last few years for sure. And there were um, some great moments in the match. You know, Overton getting Smith in the first innings that was that was really exciting. And you know, and Marsh just you know fair play to him. It was, a, it was a terrific knock. And all in all, that's again like the first Test. That that innings has won his team the match. And, and he deserves so much credit because you know, as we talked about, you know, his selection was very controversial. And it's the kind of innings that I think certainly. I didn't think he could play, or you know, on the biggest stage under pressure, and uh, I'm not sure many Australian fans thought he could play either. So yeah, he he deserves a lot of credit. As you say, some amazing moments, and you you mentioned Cummins getting Milan uh, right at the end of day four, and you know, oh, it's a terrific delivery, wasn't it? And it, it, it's sort of a bit like um, the Harmison slower ball to get rid of Clark in uh, at the Edgbaston in, in 2005. It's quite a similar moment in a way because it did just change the dynamic, like. I, I was feeling like actually England could do this, and as I say, I still felt a bit like that on the on the fifth morning. But it did, you know, it it changed the way I was thinking about it, um, and I think it just gave Australia so much more confidence. So as a as a moment, it was you know it was a big one. Yeah, and and there was just some great passages of play, wasn't there? And the reviews that seemed to come like every ball at one yeah. point, and they were all excruciating. <laughs> uh, it's sort of torturous stuff to watch, but yeah, it was cracking. It was a great advert for Test cricket, wasn't yeah, it? That's, it was, what, that's yeah. what people always say. And I, like I, you know, obviously I love Test cricket, and people, you know, people won't be surprised to hear me say that. Uh, but you know, as we've seen in this game, the way that it fluctuates, and that's what's so great about Test cricket, as opposed to the other formats, and as opposed to most sports, the fact that it can change. It's just the ebbing and flowing, and it's that longer time frame. You know, it's 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 a bit like a novel. It's, well, it's the reason I like novels as well. You'll appreciate this as a fellow uh, bookworm. Yeah, I love books. The way that things play out, that longer narrative. I love test cricket for the same reason I love novels. It's just hard to beat 
when you get a test match like that, it's very hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were, there were a few moments in this match. I think probably the thing that will stick with me for quite a long time, and, and I hope it doesn't typify the whole series, but certainly it's probably the most disappointing thing I've seen so far is Moeen's caught and bowled to Lyon, where, and it was a blinding catch, and obviously everyone went mental for that, and you know, it was all over the, the papers in Australia. But Moeen was like walking, pretty much it came off the bat, and it was a, you know, it was a fantastic flying catch, but he was, he was already gone, he'd already walked off. He was halfway to the dressing room like, before oh, Lyon had even taken off. Yeah, it's just like... That was just sad. That was yeah, because it just you know it looked like his confidence just just wasn't there. And actually, that moment, and then Mitchell Stark taking an absolutely blinding court and bold a few overs later. Like obviously, you know, can't take anything whatsoever away from from Australia and from those players. But it you just got the sense that you know everything's kind of going Australia's way. And it was sort of a an inverse moment of just to talk about two thousand and five again. But I'll never forget Jason Gillespie letting the ball go through his legs and go for four. Uh, I think sometime in the fourth test and that like I always think about that as like the moment that I thought actually England are going to win the Ashes because it was just you just never used to see that and you know Glenn McGrath had his hands on his hips and it was like it just everything was going England's way and then a couple of overs after that Andrew Strauss takes an insane catch off Adam Gilchrist and it's just like you just got the sense this is going to happen and in this case it's just everything's going to hand for Australia isn't it and things just aren't quite going for England. It's, I mean, it's annoying from an England fan's perspective to see Lyon doing so well, particularly, you know, after all the nonsense in the build-up and, and you, know, you know, taking the mick out of him a bit. You know, it's been bowling wonderful. You know, the, the run out in the first test was unbelievable. It's been bowling wonderful. It's been bowling wonderful. The, yeah, I mean, you know, that caught and bowled was, uh, was phenomenal as well. He hit a uh, six. He hit a six. And, and yeah, and what's he, he's got 11 wickets. I mean, he's been a big player in this series mm. so far. And actually, if you look at his stats, his record at, uh, at Brisbane and at Adelaide over his career is much better than at, at any of the other three grounds uh, that they'll play at in this series. But you would think, you know, the way he's bowling at the moment, that he's not done. And he should, I would say, he should enjoy that Perth wicket. If there is a bit more bounce in it, you know, it's often underestimated how uh, how useful bounce is for spinners. You know, I remember Graham Swan doing really well in South Africa. The ball didn't really turn, but it it just bounced unpredictably and, and, you know, got a bit more bounce up onto the, the splice of the bat. And with, if Lyons in this kind of form and with this kind of confidence that you wouldn't bet against him, uh, bowling well in Perth too. And this is why, so if you add him into the, the, the mix with the three quick bowlers who you'd imagine are going to enjoy Perth, it is hard to see how England win that game. So, so that's why I think it's, it's very hard to see how England come back. It's very hard to see, a route back for England uh, from 2-0 down. Um, they've never come back from 2-0 down in an Ashes series. And Australia have only done it once, and that was in the 1930s. Yeah, you do just sort of feel like losing this game. This was England's opportunity, wasn't it? Pink ball, swinging conditions. They really had to win here. And it's a shame, isn't it? I think it's a shame for Australian fans too, because as I say, you feel like the, the series is kind of getting going and it could be quite competitive from now on. But it's gone you know it's it's the result is pretty much uh been decided and it just kind of takes the air out of things a bit doesn't it it's uh, it's popped our ashes balloon a little bit yes, yeah the only way england are probably coming back is if the next test at trent bridge <laughs> it's unlikely 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago now, but after the first innings, it seemed like uh, Root's decision to bowl at the toss was uh, was going to be crucial. It, was, it was, would be uh, seen as a crucial mistake, a NASA moment. <laughs> Obviously, the way things played out in the second half of the game, that's been um, slightly forgotten about or at least uh, pushed to the, the back of people's minds. But in the final analysis, how significant was that? Was, was that a mistake to put Australia in? No, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think it was. You, know, you, you have to make a decision, I think, both ways around it. You could have made a justification for. And, you know, I think it's one of those... It, you know, it's a bold decision, obviously, you know, out of step with history. Mm. Uh, but then if it, if it pays off, then people would, would have said, oh, you know, re, you know, mastermind. Yeah. I mean, I suppose and, you could argue that, you know, it was a gamble and it, and it didn't pay off. But yeah, I don't think we should be too harsh on him for well, that. Especially because, you know, he can only make the decision and then it's up to his bowlers to uh, back him up. And they didn't really, did they? They, they bowled far too short on that first morning. <laughs> frustratingly short maddeningly short it was um i mean the positive thing i suppose is that the england bowlers did seem to learn their lesson and they bowled so much better in the second innings real kind of chalk and cheese type stuff and as we say did bowl australia out for 130 old chris wokes picking up four wickets and and he was just a different bowler altogether wasn't he anderson moving the ball around under under the anderson <laughs> anderson uh, and yeah he finished with his his first five wicket haul in australia so I mean, if we're if we're scrabbling around for positives here, Tim, I suppose that that could be one. The fact that the bowlers did so much better second time around. There was possibly a bit too much focus, I thought, on the five wicket thing, as though you know, on on Anderson taking five wickets, as though he'd never bowled well in Australia before. It's like, oh, this is this has always been his, uh, you know, the mark against him has has been his record in Australia, and it you know it, it's not fantastic. His his average was, I think, in the high thirties before this test. Uh, but he did have a brilliant series in 2010. I think he took four wickets on three occasions in that series. Was the leading wicket taker. You know, this idea that Anderson only bowls well in England when it swings around. He's been brilliant in India. He's been brilliant in the UAE. I don't know. I'm not sure there's as many blots on his resume as uh, as some people seem to think. And yeah, I don't know. He might. You could argue he's not going to go down as an all-time great. And I think you can make a very strong argument that he's not the best fast bowler of this era. You know, I think certainly Dale Stain would have a, a, a much stronger case than he does. But if you think he's not a good bowler, I don't know what to say at this point. <laughs> but I mean, how do you assess England's bowling attack overall? How confident are you 
about it after these two, as I say, kind of chalk and cheese type performances. Which version of the attack, you know, do you expect the the chalk attack or the cheese attack to uh, to turn up in Perth this week? It's been a bit, you know, again, like, you know, to come back to the start, it's just been a little bit underwhelming. You know, it's not, they haven't been bad, bad, uh, but they just haven't been that good. I mean, good, good. No, exactly. They're just, I don't know. Yeah, it's just been a little bit, you know, the, the lengths were definitely a bit short uh, for long periods. And I, I don't know, you know, obviously Broad and Anderson are, are we, you know, coming to the end of them, the, not even the autumn, probably the sort of early winter of their careers. Uh, winter is coming. Winter is coming fast. All too. Anyway, uh, but, you know, there are there were positives. You know, Wokes improved. I, I like to look of Overton. Well, I did as well. But the, so he obviously got, what, four wickets in the first thing. had a good a good debut. But the problem with this attack, you know, the really glaring thing is the lack of pace, isn't mm. it? And Overton does not do much to remedy that. You know, he, he was the, the slowest of, of, the, of the seamers bowling only in the, the mid-70s at times. And you know, I, do, I think it can be overdone, the discussion about pace. And you don't have to be quick to take wickets, do you? As, as Anderson and Wokes proved. And, you know, someone like Glenn McGrath was never a quick bowler, but he's one of the best seam bowlers of all time. Um, and as we said on the last show, you know, the the genuinely quick English bowlers who people are talking about, like Mark Wood and Liam Plunkett, have obviously got much better because they're not playing. But it was it was a bit uninspiring in the first innings, wasn't it? And you do sort of feel, particularly on these kinds of pitches, if it isn't swinging and you've got no pace, where are the wickets coming from? And, you know, we've seen, yeah, in that first innings, the fewest number of deliveries that any of the Australian batsmen faced was 29. I think only one batsman stayed in for less than an hour. So they just there was no kind of the breakthroughs were There's so no momentum. Yeah, they're so difficult to get those breakthroughs, and and it's easy to see. I think why in general the Australian tail enders have fared so much better in this series than than England's because the two the prospect of facing the English quick bowlers or the Australian quick bowlers if you're if you're not a professional batsman, you know, it's it's pretty easy to to decide which one you'd rather do. Yeah, I think as well, and you know, it's, it this would be pinned against for me the bowlers and the batsmen and the whole team as a whole is it's just it's not a very intimidating mm. England team is it in the whole and it's not all about intimidation and, and stuff but you know there is there is a degree you need a bit of an you need an intimidation factor in a good team and a good team will be inherently intimidating and I you know you just don't feel like England's batsmen have asserted themselves uh, in any way and, and certainly not the bowlers there's no real focal point to either I mean Joe Root should be, mm. uh, you know, he's, he's not been far off. And, you know, it has been disappointing again that he's not gone on from, from good starts uh, and, you know, put a lot of runs on the board. But aside from him, yeah, and, that, and again, we've, we've talked about Stokes, but Stokes would be that kind of player. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but you, you keep coming back to the fact that the squad they've picked just isn't, isn't good enough. And, you know, obviously, again, as we've said many times, it, that there aren't people screaming out for selection. But yes, you can see that it, England's batsmen just haven't been up to it so far. Their top score is 302. But who do they bring in from the squad? It's Gary Balance is the only option. And, and what, can you do? what can you do with that? I mean, maybe something they could do is change the batting order, possibly look at pushing Johnny Bairstow up a bit. I mean, he's, he, you'd have to say he's probably the third best batsman in this team. And one of the two ahead of him, you know, Root and Cook, one of those, Cook is uh, seems to be out of form. 
can they find a way of getting Bearstow more more time in the middle? Maybe they could push him up a bit, but I don't think they will do that. So I, it's hard to see what changes they can or will make that will improve things. There's really not a lot of options. <laughs> A word on Australia. We've talked about Sean Marsh. That was a, a tremendous innings. Um, as we say, in the end, England's batsmen haven't been good enough, and they certainly haven't been good enough against Australia's bowlers. This 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 Australian bowling attack is a pretty ferocious one, isn't it? It is strong. Yeah, and it's exact. It's everything that England isn't really at the moment. Uh, Quick. Yeah, exactly, and, and just tasty. I think you know Australia have been excellent, but then yeah, how much credit can you give a team for beating? a quite average team. Mm. So I don't know, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not obviously one of the great Australian sides. Uh, well, there's, 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 yeah, lots, there's, of, there's lots of promise there. As we said, there's certainly problems in the batting, isn't there? And, and, you know, in some ways, not as many as we thought, because Shaw Marsh has, has come in and done well, but then we thought Peter Hanscom would have a good series and he looks totally hopeless, doesn't he? Um, just not sure what's going on with his technique. Um, but I don't think there's much arguing with, the strength of the bowling attack and certainly on that final day you know we were very hopeful that England might be able to pull something off and they didn't bat brilliantly but it was tough it was tough against when they're up against that kind of performance from the Australian bowlers all three we talked about Lyon but the, the quick bowlers all three of them bowling over 90 miles an hour you know bowling very well <laughs> Stark is the leading wicket taker in the series but I don't know if you could say he's been the best bowler that you know the best of the three because Pat Cummins, you know, we talk about that wicket of, of Milan, but just throughout the game and throughout both games has has been outstanding. And Josh Hazelwood, I think, just he, he just goes quietly about his business, doesn't he? He's actually the highest ranked of those three uh, in the player rankings. And quicker than people think, he was bowling over 90. Um, and I do think in any other bowling attack, he'd be the absolute superstar, wouldn't he? But in this one, he, he does just take a bit of a back seat. But he's, you know, he's a, just a, a phenomenally good bowler. And, you know, people talk about him being the new McGrath. There's something in that. because He's just so consistent. So, two down, Tone. Three to play. Uh, we've got a couple of days to go until the third test kicks off at the Wacker in Perth. <sighs> Can you give me something here? Is there, is there any universe in which this could still happen? Or is a whitewash on the cards? I mean, a whitewash is definitely on the cards at this point. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely a possibility, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just... Do you know what I was thinking the other day as well? You know, after England's last win at home, and it was at that sort of topsy-turvy series, and I moaned a bit. Oh, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been a classic. Hasn't been, now I'm really regretting sound that. like you, too. No, I know. Now I'm really regretting that. We didn't know how good we had it, did we? <laughs> yeah. I've really, really glossed over that. Yeah, talking about glossing over success. I really... Didn't make the most of that. What wouldn't you give for a Stuart Broad 8 for 15? It's a short list. It'd be interesting. I, I just hope, you know, you just hope England can stick in it and, and, and show a bit of character. Mm. Uh, I mean, if they do find a way to win in Perth, you know, we're talking as though the series is over and it almost certainly is. <laughs> but if they do win in Perth and if they carry on that momentum that they've built up a little bit in the, in the back half of the Adelaide game, Suddenly it's 2-1. They only need to draw to retain the Ashes with two tests of play. You know, people will be saying this could happen. So it's not impossible. Australia lost in Perth against South Africa last year. It's not, although England haven't won there since 1978, it's not the fortress for Australia that Brisbane is. So, you know, there's there's rays of hope for England, but yeah, it's and, hard and- to see. Like if they, they found it this difficult in Adelaide against 
this Australian bowling attack, and it's hard to see how things are going to get any easier at the Wacker. Yeah, and you know, and what we've just said, or I've been saying all night, is that you know Australia haven't been that that much better than England. They've they've, they've been better in every area, but not that much better in every area. Mm. We just need someone in that batting lineup for England to stand up and be counted in this next test, and that that could be enough to win it. But it might not be because. Yeah, obviously, you know, Australia have more than, you know, got more than enough in their tank, as we've seen so far. But, yeah, who's it going to be? I mean, I'd love it to be Cook, but he doesn't seem to know what's going on against Nathan Lyon, does he? I don't know. Gary Balance? Actually, one another reason why, you know, that optimism that I was just trying to build up there uh, tapers off a little bit when you think about the fact that, yeah, A, Australia's bowlers are really going to enjoy this this Perth wicket. But B, England have lost by 120 runs in Adelaide and Steve Smith barely made a run. You know, if he puts in another, if he returns to the mean and uh, puts in another performance in the third test, it's very hard to see uh, how England are going to find enough runs to counter that. Fun time. <laughs> not a lot, not a lot to go on. Did you enjoy the day-night aspect of this game? Did you think that was a success? First day-night Ashes test, of course. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, certainly from... Uh, spectator in england's point of view you know the timings are really good so that that was a positive i yeah, i do and that the, the fourth day particularly that was a really exciting day of cricket and that, that carried right through mm. there is an element i think of the play in the evening which is when you're going to get the most spectators at the ground presumably and the most spectators watching tv in the uk specifically in terms of an ashes series obviously uh, but there's an element of the fact that the, that when the the floodlights come on that the batsmen are just kind of trying to shut up shop and mm. and and survive so that the cricket does become a little bit more bitty than perhaps it would be if it was you know the final session and they're in the sunshine and you know could be sort of making hay while the sun shines literally yeah but then the other way to think about that is that suddenly the bowlers are in the game yeah every day you know the bowlers are going to be in the game at some point even on a flat pitch so which i think does actually make it better it you know it adds another dimension to the test match so i, I really enjoyed yeah, it no, I, i've definitely definitely enjoyed it i'm right behind it but it the only thing it ju- it does just sort of it backs the it, the pattern of play is is probably more predictable in that sense mm. uh and I, and I agree watching batsmen under the cosh and the bowlers getting the best of it is uh, often makes for very entertaining cricket than the most entertaining cricket for sure uh, but I just, yeah, I wonder whether over time that sort of pattern of play will just become a bit too predictable. Mm. It's like, oh, the lights are coming on. Oh, it's going to be, well, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it'll work out well. <laughs> yeah. You ran out of steam a bit there. Yeah. <laughs> we should wrap this up, should we? My, my feet are freezing. I wonder if my socks have dried yet. Much like the Brexit negotiations this week, this episode of the World Cricket Show has gone extremely well. So with everything looking ship shape, and uh, not in the least bit terrifying. This seems like a good moment to bring it to an end. Have you had fun tonight, Tone? It's been good, yeah. Yeah, certainly feeling a little bit weary, so just, you know, push on. Weary? Push off. Push on. No, I've just got to push on now. Oh, I see. What, push on and finish the episode as quickly as possible? Just get it it in the bag. (laughs) Looking for you to push off, to be honest. (laughs) Right, we're off then. You're off for a roast, I think. Yeah. I'm going home for a bowl of chickpeas and... Bulgur wheat or something. Bulgur wheat. <laughs> okay. Lentils, maybe. No cereal. <sighs> I've eaten far too much cereal in the middle of the night. 
over the last couple of weeks. Mostly in the middle of the night. It's impressive, though. It's impressive. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. I've certainly been impressed with myself. Well, very quickly then, uh, just while Tony's putting his shoes on, uh, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, get more involved on the internet. Uh, we're on Twitter. I'm tweeting as the ashes are going on, at Cricket Show. Uh, like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash cricket show. Uh, you know, you never know. There might be the old Facebook Live coming your way, possibly. Uh, send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at worldcricketshow. Uh, and if you want to support the show in a financial way, a couple of ways to do that. Christmas is coming. Uh, if you're doing your shopping on Amazon, go first of all to our website, which is cricketshow.net, and click the link through there. And if you want to make a regular donation, uh, the best place to do that, well, the only place really to do that is on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricketshow. So, yeah, that's it, I think, Tone. Have you enjoyed yourself tonight? It's been good. Yeah, big time. Stay in school, everyone. We'll be back next week. Uh, with a report from Perth. Well, not from Perth, though, yeah. I thought you were going to surprise yeah. me then. <laughs> well, people would have to do a lot of Christmas shopping through that Amazon <laughs> link over the next week or so. Uh, but that will be our Christmas special as well, won't it? Will it? Of course it will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, lots to look forward to there. Hopefully England give us a festive performance. Mm, something to cheer. Yeah. All right, thanks, Tone. Thanks for having me around. Pleasure. I'll put my socks on. Put my wet socks on. Bye-bye for now. Cheery. To smell your fear, deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 